0: On tonight's episode of the Bang Podcast, Grady and Kyle talk to Josh Young, former Drake basketball player and current pro player in Germany. We talked to Josh about his life growing up in Oklahoma, going to Drake, and then traveling overseas to play basketball in Germany for 10-plus years. We also talk about Iowa dominating Michigan State for their first win of the season. We do a little NFL, NBA, do some master's picks, and do a little dad advice at the end. Take it away, Mike Breen.
1: James for three. Bang at the buzzer.
2: Welcome to episode number five of the Bang Podcast. My name is Grady Gallagher, and I'm here with Kyle Whedon and a special guest today. You might recognize his name from the good old days when college basketball had a tournament called March Madness, Uh, but he's playing professionally overseas right now. We're joined by former Drake basketball player and all-conference performer, and like I said, a current professional player just played last night, Josh Young. Josh, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? Oh, man. Thanks, guys,
1: for having me. I am uh, feeling great. I'm feeling blessed to be able to still do this thing and, and play basketball for so long, so I cannot complain.
2: So let's let's get right into it. I want you to start with high school and just take us through your basketball journey. I know you played for your dad in high school, but then went to Drake, had four great years at Drake, and now you're playing overseas in Germany. So just the journey from when basketball started for you to what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah, well, I guess it, it goes back even further than that. My dad had been a coach since I was a little kid, so I was always around the game. I was one of those kids that was a gym rat by default because I couldn't drive and I had to be where he was. And so I was just always around the game. And then as I, as I got older, I started to, to realize that I really had a love for the game as well as the talent to do it. Um, I was playing all sports, football, baseball, basketball, I ran track. Uh, it wasn't until I got to the ninth grade, after the ninth grade that I decided to specialize that I thought, I think that I can do something special in this sport. Um, my dad at the time was, was coaching the high school that I was playing at. So I knew I was gonna be playing under him, um, which had its hits, ups and downs, it presented its challenges, but also was uh, very instrumental in my development as a player because he just, he didn't allow me to slack. Um, he's one of the people who really instilled a tough work ethic in me. You know, I would wake up in the morning, run my neighborhood Uh, Every day after I got done with school, done with my homework, I was outside shooting um, on the rim that I had outside. And so basketball was just part of my life. It was just what I did. And at the point that I decided it was something that I wanted to do uh, after high school really became serious for me. And so uh, my dad was, was my coach for all those three years of high school and he pushed me to the limits. You know, he, he didn't let me slack in, in any area, um, which was tough for me at, at, at the time as a kid, you know, because I think there are two extremes for parents that coach their kids. There's the parent that will let your kid do anything, get away with anything, you know, they're the favorite. And then there's the parent that um, everything's your kid's fault. You're going to push your kids to limit. And I, and I had the latter. so at the time, it was uh, not something that I enjoyed. But Obviously, being 11 years into my professional career, it's something that has pushed me to the point that I'm at now. And so, and it also pushed me to the point where I was able to get uh, college scholarships. So, my school was really small. Um, I only had 16 kids that I graduated with there in Lawton, Oklahoma. And I begged my parents many times to allow me to transfer. All the other high schools in the area were 6A schools, they were really large schools. I knew that exposure was just going to come by nature from being at a big school, playing on that stage. But my dad told me something that was pretty profound, um, and he said that, "Son, if you can play, they'll come find you." And so I stayed right where I was at. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think that he was right at the time, uh, just because I I didn't have any exposure to uh, you know these colleges. But what did happen is that uh, I guess my name had had caught the ears of some AAU coaches. So they started to come to watch my games. And then they invited me to play on the AAU circuit. Uh, I had, I believe, one scholarship offer going into my junior year. And after my junior season, that AAU season, I went and played in a tournament in Denton, Texas. And I played really well, just for three days. And after that, I had, I believe, 32 D1 scholarship offers. So I tell kids that you have to be ready for your opportunity because when the opportunity presents itself, you have to step into your moment. And it only took one tournament for me to step into that moment. And it came from all those times that my dad was pushing me. It came from him telling me, stay where you're at, stay where where you've been planted, grow there, uh, be consistent. And then from that is how I learned of the name Drake University. I didn't know anything about Iowa. I'd never been. I honestly thought it was just a, a state full of cornfields. I didn't know that people lived there. I didn't know. What was, I didn't know anything about it. All I remember is when I took my visit, uh, we were flying into the Des Moines airport, and I saw this huge V on a football field, and and that's my first major memory of Des Moines was seeing that Valley Football Stadium. Um, and so I came in, I just, I hit it off with the team. Uh, Dr. Tom Davis was the coach at the time. He was a legendary coach. One of the reasons that my dad um, wanted me to, to visit Drake is because he knew of Dr. Tom and his success. Uh, and I'm a firm believer that if you put yourself in the right position, you do the things that you're supposed to do, that life kind of falls in place. And that was just one of those moments where I felt comfortable. I knew it was, uh, it was the place that I was supposed to be. And so I decided to, to take my next step there and, and continue on to Drake, um, which presented a whole another field of opportunity for me, just being able to grow under some, some good coaches, um, to meet some unbelievable people, and make connections. And, and obviously in my second year there, us having the run that we had in the, the NCAA tournament or the run that we had throughout the season to push us to the NCAA tournament, And just how special that was, not just for us, but for our school, for the community, for Des Moines, for the entire state. It was the support was unbelievable, you know, and as a a 19 year old kid to experience something on such a huge stage uh, was something that has stuck with me and will always stick with me and my teammates from that season. And and then to go on and um, accomplish things um, that we hadn't and, you know, to beat the in-state schools pretty much every single year. Uh, barring that last season, and just kind of putting Drake on the map uh, after having been uh, had twenty losing seasons in a row, and then being able to kind of establish some type of culture there, and to see where they're at now has been has been really cool. Um, and so those things have are things that I'm I'm very proud of, uh, and I'm very proud of the the time that I was able to spend there and the people that I was able to meet. And then obviously coming out of that, I've, I've just stepped into a professional career that has been much longer than I would have imagined. Um, but I say that as long as my body is, is holding up, I'm going to continue to play. I can work at any point in my life, but once basketball ends, it's over. So I am just continuing to do that. I continue to feel blessed that every chance I get to step on the court and uh, play against these young guys that come in every single year. Uh, you know, I'm the vet now and it's, it's an interesting feeling, but uh, um, I'm extremely grateful that I have this opportunity still. That's awesome.
0: Let's, uh, let's go back to the Drake days and uh, talk about that season. I believe uh, Keno Davis was your coach that season. Is that correct? Correct. Tell me about why you guys were successful that year and what led to that season coming together.
1: Yeah, um, well, there, there were a few reasons. Uh, One of the main reasons that we were so successful was one, we had great leadership. Uh, Two, we had uh, an unbelievable amount of selflessness in our team. Three, we had a group of guys that every single person from one through 15 or however many people on that roster understood their role and their value to the team. And I think uh, on top of that, we had a coaching staff that, gave us so much confidence to play the game according to our strengths and that was extremely important um, because it allowed us to grow within the scope of what we were able to do individually and that in turn allowed us to be very very successful as a team and i remember we went to the bahamas for our foreign trip uh, before the season started in august and we were playing in some of like the Bohemian national teams and some of their local teams. And, and I remember thinking in that tournament, like, we're, we're not bad, you know, because my freshman year, we had a 17 and 15 record, which was huge for, for Drake, for the community, for the program. Um, And so coming into the next year, I believe that I was the only starter coming back Clayton had started some games uh, the year, Clayton Corver the year before, uh, Jonathan Cox some games the year before, but I think at a certain point in the season, I was, had consistently been a a starter and I was only gonna be a sophomore. So on paper, we didn't look like the type of team that you would place your money on. You know, it was like, yeah, that's why they picked us to finish ninth, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had something uh, that was just so special with our chemistry and the way that we interacted with each other off the court that I knew those things were going to, in some ways, help us. I didn't know how much it was gonna help us. Um, but I think in that first tournament that we played, it kind of showed that we had the ability um, to play at a higher level than what we had been playing the season before. And then our first our first game that we played was out in Marega, California. We beat some D2 team. And the next game we had was against Patty Mills and St. Mary's. And we ended up losing that game uh, by six points. But I think the the speech that the leaders gave us, that the seniors gave us about this, just means we need to go back to work. We're going to do something special this season. Uh, it's just a bump in the road, you know. Continue to keep our heads high. We're doing things the right way. And I think when you're when you're sold on doing things the right way, when you're convinced that you are on the right path, uh, that that's really big because you can continue to work in that vein, and then you really begin to see yourself. Uh, making these strides and making these gains and and that's ultimately what ended up happening for us that year
0: that's awesome and I kind of like you said too Des Moines was absolutely rocking that year they the nap was filling up every game I remember I I live over in the Beaverdale area I I grew up over there and you couldn't you couldn't drive down university just because of on game day just because of all the traffic from from people going to the game so yeah it was cool and there's a there was also a sandwich eventually named after Adam Eminecker. I thought it should have been should have been named the Josh Young. That's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, it, it was truly it was it was one of the coolest times I remember in the past twenty years in Des Moines. Just because it was Des Moines team going to that tournament game, it was it was just rocking. Um, so yeah. so what a cool time. And then do you uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that tournament game as, as well against Western Kentucky? Kind of the culmination of your season. Um, you guys had an awesome Missouri Valley tournament. You beat Illinois State, I believe, in the final. I think you guys crushed them, and you go yeah. on to the NCAA tournament. Can you talk a little bit about the stage that you guys were on, and not just like the result of the game because we we know what happened, but the stage, um, the feelings that you guys had, and what you what you guys did to prepare for that game.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's let's talk a little bit about the build up to that game because yep. we um you have to understand we were coming from a place where we were ecstatic to win 17 games in a season, you know? And then that came from a losing, honestly, a losing culture. We had 20 uh, losing seasons in a row. Um, And so any type of semblance of winning for us was always something that was helping us build some confidence, right? And, And so as we started the season and we started to win games and then we went a few consecutive games and then we won five games in a row and then seven games in a row and then 10 games in a row and we were just kind of building this momentum and with every win it just it was weird it just became easier we would go into games and just expect to win I think it speaks a lot about how powerful your mind is too you know and the way that you can use that in conjunction with your ability with your talent with your skill because we got to the point where you just could not convince us we were going to lose i it didn't matter if we were down by 20 at half if we were down we were losing in most games in the ha- in the first half I, I remember it was like some crazy stat that we lose every first half and then the second half was like all right um and then building up that to what you'd hear the talk in the locker room like hey what if we crack the top 25 and this is like speaking a foreign language at drake you know the top 25 no one goes no one's in the top 25 um, but slowly we just built that to where we cracked the top 25. And there was just another milestone. And then we had this bracket buster game playing against the top 10 team in Butler. And that was just like the biggest stage that we had been on since the Final Four, you know, for Drake uh, basketball, Drake athletics. We go into Hinkle Fieldhouse and beat them. And so those were just things that were kind of preparing us for the stage that we were eventually going to get to, which was the NCAA tournament. And I mean, it was, it's the coolest thing when you're a kid you fly in, when you land, uh, there are like cops waiting on you with the bus. They take you to the hotel. When you walk in the hotel, welcome Drake University, Drake basketball. And they've got things laid out for you. And it's just, it's this big extravagant thing. Um, But we were, I thought we were extremely ready. Um, And then when we get to the game, it's a completely different scene. Like nervous, people throwing, balls over the backboard, we're airballing threes. <laughs> and we're playing a decent team. And, and I remember when we drew Western Kentucky, I remember thinking, man, I would have rather drawn Michigan, California, North Carolina, any of these big teams. Cause what, what we got with the mid-major draw was there was no sense of like underdog. And we had worked so well in that vein throughout the year we didn't have that with West Kentucky. They were mid-major, we were mid-major. It was just like, a, it's, it's gonna come down to, you know, who wants it more type of thing. Um, but just like we had done the entire year, down 18 with seven minutes, six minutes to go. And people from, uh, uh, people that I went to school with told me, yeah, I turned the game off. I was like, ah, it's tough. And I remember thinking, really? You watched this all season long, you know? <laughs> and then ultimately we did what we always did and we made this great comeback forced overtime had to win a chance to win it in regulation and then um you know anyone that was around during that time remembers the the shot that was made on us to to win he misses it we win it's not like it's a tie ball game we're winning the game uh and and we have to relive that almost every single march madness they play that shot and he's running off with his hands and i'm like oh this guy (laughs) so it was um it was one of those things that was really, I think, devastating for the community when we lost for us, you know, obviously tears were shed, but in the same moment, it was such a sense of pride in all that we had accomplished that season and really had put Drake basketball on the map. Absolutely.
2: Josh, I just uh, this morning looked up, cause just like you, I remember exactly where I was when that happened, cause we were going insane in my house in Western Iowa, just watching like this Iowa team do what they did all year, come back. <laughs> And you know, 101.99 is not the typical college basketball game, so it's just super exciting. I I watched on the play; you're kind of on the opposite side of the floor. Maybe just take me back to before that play happened uh, in the timeout. What was said? Because obviously, Rogers—they had two better players than him, and Brazelton—you know—shoveled it off to him for the last shot. So, what were you kind of? Thinking or looking for, I know it was a while ago, but uh, and again, I apologize. It, it's a gut wrench to me every time I see that shot too. But I just wonder what the conversation was like beforehand.
1: Yeah, so I actually remember um, Ty Rome Brazelton was killing us. Mm-hmm. Right, he, he had just had an unbelievable game. We were not going to let him beat us. So. We wanted to put pressure, uh, full court pressure. We wanted to make it as difficult as possible for them to bring the ball up to court. Um, And we weren't gonna let him get all the way to the basket. So we set up in our normal press with the exception of me and I was to not let Courtney Lee see the ball. Don't let him touch the ball, deny him at all costs. And so that's what I was doing. Adam and Leonard were in the full court press and then we had zoned up from there. And so. Um, As you see, they throw it in. He's dribbling around one person, gets around the second person. uh, And I was Courtney Lee. At some point, I remember him just kind of like giving up. And then at the moment that I felt that he gave up, I turned and I saw the ball in the air. And when I tell, I know this sounds cliche, but when I tell you I knew it was going in, I saw the trajectory of the ball. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's money. And it came right through that net. And that was probably one of the most deflating moments in my life, in my teammates' life. And then on, uh, and to add like insult to injury, when they asked him about it, Ty Rogers was like, yeah, I'd, I'd make that eight out of 10 times. And I was like, ah, you know, you couldn't just take the heroic moment. <laughs> you couldn't just live with the Hey, I knocked down the biggest shot of my life. And um, so we did, we we kind of executed what we wanted to do. If you look at the film, we had three people jumping at him. Mm-hmm. but you know, when a good shooter shoots, if you're not there before the shot, that doesn't really do anything. That's how I feel. If you don't get there before the shot, when I get into my shot, it doesn't matter if there's 17 hands in the air. It doesn't matter. Um, and looking back, people are like, hey, maybe we should have put a person on the ball, which, yeah, maybe we should have put a person on the ball and we could have disrupted that, um, but it happened the way it happened and, and that's how history was made. Yeah. Um, So
2: you were guarding Courtney Lee, like you said, and you said that season uh, you played against Patty Mills. So two two long-term NBA guys there. Who are some other either guys you're playing against now that you're really impressed with or guys that in college you got to play against that have had successful professional careers?
1: Going back through, um, I remember being really impressed with Gordon Hayward the first time we played them butler he was he was a freshman and really poised just like and i remember his spot was like this left corner i don't know why he was so open in this left corner three but he was over and over and over again from our defense i remember being impressed with him and just the size like he was skinny but he was tall he's like six nine shooter i thought he had a chance um i played Kawhi leonard uh, Kawhi was a freshman as well and I think he had a 20 and 10 game, but just really silent. You didn't feel like he was killing you. And you looked at the stat sheet after like, wow, this dude had an unbelievable game. And then you see his name on the draft boards. And, um, and so he he's done, you know, obviously he went on to have a, a really great career. I remember we played Morehead State. Kenneth Fareed was playing on that team and he uh, was very athletic. I didn't know that he was gonna have the type of NBA career that he had. Uh, Iowa State produced a lot of guys that went on to play. Wes Johnson, who ended up transferring, but our first couple of years, you just knew he had—he had NBA limbs. He was, you know, long, six-seven, very athletic, could shoot it. Um, and then some of those guys like Deontay Garrett, that was able to crack in, into the NBA for a while, and now he, he's over here. Early in my career, I played against uh, Dennis Schroeder uh, when he was here playing in Germany him, almost every person that came out of Germany, I've played against him. Maxi Kleber, uh, the kid, Isaiah Hartenstein, um, a lot of those guys that really made big steps uh, in improving their game to the point that they were able uh, to make the NBA. So I've, I've played against quite a, a few people. Uh, and then I also played with Daquan Cook, who came out of Ohio State, uh, played for the Thunder for a while. He played in Miami. I think he played for the Rockets. Um, and then he played on my team here in Germany. So I've been able to to be around some people that have played at the highest level. And some of those guys that are still – I actually saw Dennis the other day because uh, he's out here. He, he is the majority owner of one of the teams in my league. And so he's around. They're, they're not playing this season yet. And um, so it's been cool to see some of their development and some of those guys that have gone on to, to play. And then the, one of the kids that's going to probably be in the draft this year, uh, Killian Hayes, a really talented kid he was a starting point guard for Ulm which is one of the teams in my league 18 year old kid starting for the first league team in Germany which is a very talented league and then also playing in the Euro Cup which was one of the highest international leagues so I think that he's going to go on to have a pretty decent career in the NBA as well so that's been cool to see those type of guys and build those relationships
0: we just did a mock draft last week and we had Killian Hayes in our top 10 he's a I think he's going to be really good. I agree with you. He's uh, he's, he's long and athletic. So excited to see how he does. Um, give me your your Drake athletics uh, Mount Rushmore. Who are the the four? And you can include yourself. And then I have an addition to this. I want to see if you agree with this. But give me your 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 Mount Rushmore Drake athletics.
1: Oh man, I'm gonna have to go with. You know, I think you always have to give credit where credit's due, right? Um, someone who I'm really close with, he's he's my guy, and he broke my record. And so I have to give him a lot of credit because this kid scored a lot of points. And you're always like, how does he do this? But then he always does it. Uh, and that's Reed Timmer. Mm-hmm. I think Reed Timmer is going to be one of those guys that's going to be on my my uh, Mount Rushmore. Um Another guy that I would put in there is going to be uh, Louis Lloyd, because he was a killer. And I I think that uh, he was before a lot of our time. So people didn't really, won't really know who he was. Uh, But I was one of the people that was looking into the history of Drake when I was there. And you see these guys that come around. um, So I think he would be number two or just a second person on, on there, not in any specific order. A third person that I would put in there would be Dolph Pulliam. Uh, and I think because Dolph embodies what Drake University stands for. He was one of the people on the Final Four team. And not only did he play on the team, but then he stuck around to, to watch kind of the full circle-ness, if I can say that, happen at Drake University. It took 40-something years, but it, it ended up happening. And uh, just an unbelievable guy, someone uh, that, that anyone can look up to. Um, and and someone that has been a historic part of all that is Drake basketball in Drake University. And the last person that I would put in there is, I think I would put myself because I I aspire to be someone like Dolph. One of the things that uh, I've done with the exception of this last summer um, is that I've gone back to Drake every single year to reconnect uh, you know, we had a lot of turnover in the last 10, 11 years. And so I was really going back to meet new faces, new coaches, new uh, athletic directors, new president. Um, I think it's extremely important to, to stay connected. And, you know, for some people they say, well, the school can reach out to me. But I feel like there, there's so many athletes and, and so many students uh, that it's a, it's a bigger task for that to happen. And so, For me it was always important to to stay connected to my alma mater i always want to feel like i'm a part of drake and i want them to feel like i'm supportive of what they're doing no matter who's uh, the head there um, who's the coach or who's the athletic director and i've been able to go back and meet all those people and let them know hey i'm josh young i went here at this such and such time Um, and then last summer presented its challenges because we played in a bubble in munich and that lasted through july so i didn't get back to maybe July 19th and then the Corona thing with the travel. And um, it was just probably better that I I didn't travel, but I've made it a a point to embody um, what Drake University stands for. And also because I'm very grateful. It was the the time in my life where I was developing as a young man from 18 to 22 uh, years of age, which are extremely important in our development. And Drake was a place where I was able to do that. I was able to grow up as a basketball player. I was able to grow up as a young man, uh, being under incredible leadership. And uh, so it's kind of my way of saying thank you for being such an instrumental part of my life.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Grady and I went to Buena Vista, a small college up in in Northwest Iowa, but like there's, you just always have a connection with your school that you went to and there's good times and bad times, but you become who you are from from that scenario. So um, I, have, I have a couple names I want to throw out to you for the Mount Rushmore. I just want you to consider them. Two of them are no longer with us, actually. Um, but I, I got Zach Johnson. Oh, I have yeah. Billy Cundiff. Um, Billy, Billy just misses because of his missed playoff field goal. So sorry, Billy. Um, and then Paul Morrison, rest in peace. Uh, shout out to Paul Morrison. And uh, Mauricio Balavan, former tennis player. Recipes, oh, recipes too that was uh, that was some terrible stuff when he passed away but he was he was an unbelievable tennis player too so just I, I think a couple guys there that that should be considered as well
1: your Mount Rushmore is uh more accurate I was only thinking about basketball so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that's right that's, for, that's okay
1: <laughs> Mount Rushmore for the university oh man Paul Morrison
0: he was my <laughs> neighbor growing up
1: no way. Yeah, he was. No, I went to school with his granddaughter. I knew. I knew his daughter. I know their whole family. Yep. Um, and he was also one of the reasons that I went back to Drake because I'd always go and he'd be sitting in his desk. Hey, Paul. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? You know, and um, just a a book. I mean, you could ask Paul about something that happened in night. Nine- Paul was so sharp; it was crazy. He would tell you well you know in 1986 Cincinnati left the valley and then we added which so I'm like bro, how do you remember all of these things you know and you could tell that his memory was blessed like his memory he was able to remember so many things um, and I was able to go uh, to the celebration dinner that they had for him when he was turning 100 really really special Mm-hmm. And I just sat down with him and talked to him for a little while, and he still was very sharp and remembered the time that I was there and could tell me about, the, uh, you know, what was going on when I was playing freshman and sophomore and junior and senior season. And um, his daughter had reached out to me and asked me if I would come, and I was, I felt honored that yeah. she thought about me to, you know, to include me in that, uh, in that celebration. And so, yeah, he was one of those people that will always be remembered and should be rightfully so Absolutely. Mauricio was a, I went school with him a bright light that was really devastating um it's devastating to, when anyone loses their life so early um and then there are certain people that you know that uh, just their presence you know makes you feel better you know they always are like a little light they bring joy he was one of those people that everybody loved and so that was um that, that was really tough and I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people in the Drake community so Absolutely. I think that your your list is definitely outshining my <laughs> list
2: <laughs> we'll submit them both we'll see how it goes <laughs> uh Josh I want you to talk just quickly about what this you said your 11th season professionally correct Right What has that journey been like, kind of playing overseas? Are you still kind of keeping tabs with what's going on with American sports? Or are you just pretty locked in with what's going on over there? And also the players in that league are they mostly international? Are there a lot of American guys? Just a quick rundown of what playing overseas is like
1: yeah um i I think that. You know, what we've seen with the advancement of technology, uh, you know, even through the Olympics um, and things like this is that we've seen that the basketball world has expanded. Um, When I was coming out of college, playing overseas was so foreign. It was not like people people were doing it, but no one really knew what it was like. It was just kind of a mystery. The guys that were over there knew what it was like. Uh, we didn't have this amazing technology to where we could watch games there. Uh, we weren't we weren't FaceTiming. There was, Skype was pretty much the extent of our communication um, internationally. And so to me, it was just like, what am I getting myself into? If you ask kids now, there will be kids that will tell you, man, I want to play overseas. Not even saying I want to play in the NBA. I don't know anyone at my age growing up that said I want to play overseas. Nobody said that. The kid that was the last person on the bench, like, I want to play in the NBA. <laughs> Everyone wanted to play in the NBA. And so now it has become, uh, I think, highly recognizable. The leagues here are are strong. They're good. It's a different game than the NBA. Um, it's more team oriented. There's not a lot of one-on-one that's happening. And that's why, for example, people will come to Europe having played in the NBA and struggle mightily. Or they'll come here, be on a preseason team, get cut, which I've seen, go back to America, make an NBA roster and stick, you know, and vice versa. So um, it's really more about being a piece to a puzzle, fitting within the system. And a lot of guys that are able to do that come here, they make decent money, they make a living. Um, The makeup or demographic of, of what the leagues look like is, my league is six foreigner, six domestic players. So domestic players in Germany are Germans. You have to have a German passport. If you're not a German passport player, you're, the, you're a foreigner. And for foreigners, that means Slovenia, Serbia, Spain, Italy, France, Russia, all the Asian, all African countries, everyone in the United States. So from all of these other countries, there are six spots per team. There's not a lot of spots for 18 teams. Uh, so that means you get one point guard, one shooting guard, one small forward, one power forward, one center, and then you get a guy that maybe can do a, a few different positions. So uh, the competition to be able to play, here is it's fierce, and it's and now it's really tough. You know, with uh, they're not sure if the G League is going to play, so a lot of those guys are looking for spots overseas. Uh, a lot of teams were took big hits uh, because of the Corona. Uh, and because of the pandemic, and so it's been been very interesting, and which is another reason why I feel blessed to 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 be able to to do this. Um, we also played in what's called the Basketball Champions League. So let's say during the week, we would travel throughout Europe. Um, our our pool last year was we had Greece, we had Israel, Jerusalem. We had um, Turkey, Benidorm. We had Spain. Burgos, we have France, Belgium, and Poland. So during the week, we will be in one of those countries playing. And then on the weekend, we play in our uh, domestically, the Bundesliga. And that's a lot of fun, because you get to see the world on someone else's dime. <laughs> for one, You get to see how basketball is played in different countries. Uh, you, you get to meet a lot of different people, you get to experience different cultures. Um, so basketball has provided things for me that when I was a 14, 15 year old kid in Lawton, Oklahoma shooting outside on on my hoop, I would have never, ever, ever expected. I would have never thought that it was going to turn me into the well-rounded person that I am today and give me such a a broad worldview. So the league that we play in is is a tough league. It's very physical. Like I said, it's team dominated. There's tough defense, very, very physical. And so um, I'm just glad that I'm able to still be able to do this.
0: That's awesome. Um, I have, I want to keep it to our 30 minutes here too, and, uh, not keep it for too long. So I'll, uh, I'll ask one more. And then I know Grady wants to talk about like high school basketball and everything too. So, um, what's, good okay, cool. What's, uh, what's uh Josh Young going to do after basketball? What, what are your, when, when you're all done playing, what's your, what's your goals? What do you want to accomplish when you're done? Are you going to come back to the United States? Are you going to stay overseas? What, what's your game plan?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, uh, that I have an answer for. Um, so I do I do things now, um, just kind of on the side in like real estate investing, a lot of different investment ventures um, that I enjoy. Um, but I think what I'm gonna do, for sure, is speak. I enjoy it. I I love to speak, um, and I tell people. Um, that I will go out and play a game in front of twenty thousand people, and the nerves that I feel are just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's basketball. I've been doing this for a long time. I'll walk into a room of one hundred and twenty people to speak and just be like, oh, like a nervous wreck. Um, I have a I have a major passion to speak to do these things. I I honestly feel like it's a calling on my life, not just like I want to do it. I feel like I'm called to do it, and um, there are there's such a power in your words right because I think it's unbelievable how you can listen to a person speak speak and those words can get into your spirit and change your entire life change the course of the way that you are living thinking moving acting and you can go in, in separate in a different direction um, and I've seen this firsthand in my life on different occasions where um, I was able to speak about just things that someone asked me to speak about. And the feedback that I've gotten from people was just like, man, that honestly changed my life. Um, and so I feel very compelled to do that. I, I love mentorship, for example. Um, I, my, my slogan is everyone needs a mentor, everyone. We need people who are smarter than us, richer than us, have more experience than us, um, that are wiser than us, that are more disciplined than us. We we need those people in our life uh, because those are the type of people that are going to call us to be greater. You know, they're going to push us to the place that we're supposed to be. I believe that most people live their entire life and they never get to the point where they're actually supposed to be in their life, becoming who they're created to be in their life. I think we just kind of, we just kind of exist. But I think the the point that we get where it's called living is when we move into purpose, when we move into the thing that you were designed to do in your life, you know? And so when I look at like, for example, creation and nature and And trees and birds and uh, animals and everything just does what it's supposed to do. No one tells the sun to come up in the morning. You know, it it just comes up in the morning and it fulfills its purpose. Then the moon shows up at night, the stars twinkle, and then the flowers, they blossom and bees pollinate and and all these things happen. And everything in nature just does what it's supposed to do specifically. And that's why the world works the way it works. When it comes to humans, we have this thing called free will. We get to decide if we want to do what we're supposed to do or not. And the truth is that most people decide not to. They decide against it, whether it's voluntarily or whether it's subconsciously, whether it's because things are, are a distraction in their life or because they never come to the point where they even realize what it is that's inside of them that's supposed to be poured out to the world. And so one of the callings that I feel in my life is to let people know that you have something inside of you that you have to give to the world. It's been gifted to you, and now you have to gift it to the world. And I think when people hear that message, uh, it changes. It changes the way that you move. It changes who you are. And so that's that's really what I want to do.
2: And that's that's awesome, Josh. I just from hearing that, I think you got a future in speaking. Um, but <laughs> we'll obviously be following. Hopefully, it works out for you. That's I that's appreciate crazy. it. Uh, my last question, then we you can wrap it up after, is just. As someone who's a teacher and a high school coach, you're someone that you know is at the highest level, basically of basketball overseas. What are what are some things I can, either these can be skills physically or mentally, just some stuff I need to pass on to some of my current players to to work on skills that you think need to be developed a little bit uh, better at the youth levels.
1: All right, so. The message that I have like to players and to coaches is a different message. Since you're the coach, the message that I would have for you is never forget that your most important development to these young men, young women, is them, their development as people. Because the statistics are going to tell you that 95% of those kids are not going to continue on in basketball, but every single one of those kids is going to continue on as a young man. going to continue on as a father as a brother as a son so i think a lot of times what i've seen in, in my own experiences is that some coaches lose track of the fact that basketball isn't everything you know what's important is that you teach kids principles right that you teach them skills that are going to be able to translate into whatever they decide to do afterwards that's important discipline consistency a tough work ethic so whether they decide to play basketball at the next level or they decide to be a teacher or they decide to go into music or whatever it is they can take those those skills and then they can can be successful in that and on top of that i think as a coach um, being able to to build up their skill set is important you know uh, i think there's a there's a, like a sense of pride that, that comes in and anyone that's able to help someone go from here to here. You know, when you're able to see a kid's development, that's that's extremely rewarding. Um, and so I think what's lost a lot of time are the basic fundamentals of just simple dribbling, simple passing, um, and then really getting in. And what I see a lot of times is that kids can't shoot. That's just my personal assessment. So when I ask kids, you know, you come to the gym, like how often you come to the gym? Like, oh, I'm here every day. I'm like, what do you do when you're there? Like, oh, I'm just doing this and this and this. Like, but do you shoot? Because I feel like at the end of the day, if you're gonna come to the gym, one, don't waste time. Don't come here if you're not gonna be here to work. And two, you have to be able to shoot the basketball. Basketball is a game of putting the ball in the hole, right? And so when I, cause I used to run a lot of camps and and honestly, I would tell you 90% of the kids, over a thousand kids that I've seen could not shoot, not consistently, you know, they'd make one here and there. and I remember my dad used to make us shoot so much that my teams growing up in high school, we can do a lot of things great. But the one thing we did really well was shoot the ball because we just spent so much time doing that. Uh, I think that we've gotten into this like skill training, which is good, you know, but we just, the basics, you know, can your kid make a pass with one hand, you know, can your kid uh, make a left-handed layup? Can can they do the simple things first? And then from there kind of broaden uh, the skill set, but not start at the end and work your way backwards. Really, really start at the basic and the fundamentals. The fundamentals is what we've lost, in my opinion, and then from there you can kind of build um, a stronger foundation.
2: Yeah, great stuff. I will definitely pass that on. We we so much appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck, man. You were just super impressive, and uh, I, I'm glad you went to Drake because otherwise we'd probably have no idea who you are. But you obviously <laughs> left your mark on Drake.
1: Uh, as well, go that's ahead, Whedon. Absolutely. Um, I have one more actually. MJ or LeBron, Josh? Man, that's that's MJ. Uh, that's all. <laughs> Fair enough. And and I'm not a LeBron. I am a. I think that you can't take away from what LeBron accomplishes, you know. And so when people talk about the greatest of all time, they're the criteria is always different. They're like, oh, he doesn't have a good mindset. Are we talking about mindset? Or are we talking about accolades? Are we, are we talking about winning championships? Or are we talking about personal statistics? You know, there's so many different things, but LeBron is the greatest player on the face of the earth right now. But MJ,
0: all day. Yeah, it's so hard to compare decades and different eras of basketball and the types of basketball being played during those eras. and.
1: Absolutely, so, absolutely.
0: Awesome, good answer, good answer. I'm okay with that. Um, okay well we we appreciate your time today man thanks again it's good to hear from you uh good luck this season and um we appreciate you jumping on with us today
1: hey i appreciate you guys
0: absolutely
2: best of luck josh thanks
0: okay thanks again for josh for jumping on with grady and i grady i don't know if there's uh it's probably a good thing that there's not any brick walls within a hundred, 200 feet of me because I would have ran through them after listening to to him talk about life after basketball. Uh, what an awesome interview. What a, just an awesome guy, first basketball player, but also just a great guy to talk to. He's clearly full of knowledge. And I mean, I suppose if you're, you're traveling all over the world, doing all that stuff, that all, that'll lead to some, um, some wisdom and, Sounds like he's been raised pretty well and all that too. So what, what'd you think of the
2: interview? Uh, 100% agree. That was awesome. Could have talked to that guy for hours, I feel like. And hopefully we can either get him back on or just stay in touch with him in some way and try and follow him the best we can in, in Europe. And he's just, like you said, just seen some awesome things, been a part of some awesome things, and just hopefully a great story that we can share with some people that wouldn't otherwise know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we can find a DraftKings of the German basketball league and throw some <laughs> fantasy fantasy teams together. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that was that was awesome. Thanks again, and uh, hopefully we can have them on again soon. Um, I think we wanted to move into Hawkeye football. We have some some positives to talk about. Uh, Hawkeyes defeated Michigan State forty-nine to seven. That was the revenge we needed from 2015. I think we had a lot of frustration from the past two weeks. Haven't beaten Michigan state in a while. That was nice. That was a, that was a good old fashioned ass kicking. If you, <laughs> if you agree with that, I don't know what you think.
2: I, it was one of the few, cause they're few and far between Iowa games where going into the second half, I could just kind of relax, hang out with the family a little bit. Obviously, still paid attention, but just the way we pushed them around in the first half and the way your boy Rocky Lombardi looked in the first half, I just it was over by halftime and I was happy. I did hear one rumor I wanted to ask if you had any speculation on. Uh, I heard Ken O'Keefe was calling the offensive plays in the first half. Any truth to that? Wow.
0: Wow, I'm gonna I'm I'm working on I'm working on something right now. It involves Brian Ferentz, and you know if that is true, that that changes a lot of things. But I uh, I don't want to. There's so many things to talk about. Don't call Rocky Lombardi my boy. He's not my boy. He, he bleaches his hair, and I can't. It just made me so mad that Dan Orlovsky Orlovsky kept saying, Oh, Rocky's knees hurt. He can't drive off. The kid's just having a bad game that the defensive line's getting pressure on him and he, he's playing off. I'm sure he was banged up, but it's football. That's just, how it is. Um, the, the, the offensive coordinator, play caller thing. I mean, from the start, you could tell that the offense was there to play. I don't want to get too high on this play calling thing because Brian Ferentz, I've I've let my frustrations known on him the past couple of weeks on this podcast, and he's always done this thing where he'll call a couple of bad games, and then you'll hear it from the outside, from the inside. He'll call a good game, and then he'll go back to calling some some lousy games. And it's I, until I see some consistency out of him that offensive coordinator, stringing some games together. I, I I'm not a believer, and it's going to be a tough game on Friday night against PJ. Uh, pj fleck so we'll see i uh i was kind of it was a great game it was an awesome game there's lots to go through with it but it was finally fun to see a win a good team win you could tell they were desperate for it
2: yeah definitely um my, my first question to you is how bad are the college football teams in the state of michigan this year
0: oh my gosh I'm surprised Harbaugh. We were talking about this last week. I'm surprised Harbaugh still has a job. Yeah, that's yeah. that's brutal. And Michigan State beat them. And like, what is going on here? You know what I don't understand is Maryland gets smoked by Northwestern week one, and all of a sudden Maryland's beating Penn State last week. What's going on in the Big Ten right now in general?
2: That's Tua's, Tua's brother after the first game, apparently got it figured out and he, he looks legit, but yeah. the first game he looked like he had no business being a Big Ten football player. Now it's like yeah, Maryland's kind of on the map. So
0: I have this theory where Tua actually plays for Maryland on Saturday and then <laughs> flies back out to uh, Miami to play, or actually flew to uh, Arizona to play um, against the Cardinals. So just, just a theory, but... What uh, what a turnaround for Maryland! Indiana's playing well and all that. I mean, we can get into the Big Ten, but it's interesting to see a different dynamic this year for the uh, the, the Big Ten. And of course, Ohio State's still at the top. But...
2: Yeah, someone put up the Big Ten standings, and what's more, twenty twenty than Indiana co-leading a division and Iowa being at tied uh, at the bottom of their division. Uh, that just that says twenty twenty to me. Let's uh. Before we move on to the rest of the Big Ten, uh, let's do offensive, defensive, special teams player of the game. Your boy uh, – what's his name? Corey Taylor? No, Charlie Jones. TJ. uh CJ is apparently maybe your theory of NFL guys <laughs> suiting up on Saturday. He looked like Christian McCaffrey against the <laughs> party. so I don't know what's going on there. If he's actually legit or he just ha- had a day, but he looked good. I-, I liked what I saw.
0: I I don't want to hear more about Michigan. Michigan State was bad. They yes. were really bad, and we we uh, Iowa had something to do with that. But I mean. You're right. The state of Michigan just isn't putting out good football this year. They, uh, they they, weren't doing anything on either side of the ball, and apparently they have some NFL prospects, and it didn't show. But um, give, give me your offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the game, and I'll give you mine. Maybe I'll, go, different.
2: I'll go with Charlie Jones. I'm going to go with Goodson. Finally, give this boy over 10 carries, and you see what happens. Again, defense wasn't good. O-line owned the line of scrimmage for us. And I'm going to go with uh, Chauncey Golston, finally a, a showing uh, on the defensive side, a couple tackles for loss and uh, counted for eight total, uh, excuse me, six total assists and solo tackles. Who you okay. got?
0: Um, I'll start with defense. I like to, uh, you know, it was a good team win on defense. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of tackles across the board. Um, I'm going to go with Riley Moss. The only reason being is I saw a Twitter account. I I wish I remember who it was. I'd call him out right now. Literally five minutes before Riley Moss's pick six, which did end up right in his hands, this account tweeted Riley Moss as the weakness of the secondary. And then he goes and gets a pick six right after. And I called him out on Twitter and he deleted the tweet. And so Riley Moss is my defensive player of the game. Tori Taylor, Ray Guy Award leading candidate right now. (laughs) Remember at the beginning of the season, we were talking if our punter was going to average 40 yards, he averages just over 46 yards of punt this year, which is massive for us. He, uh, he had a total of 321 punt yards and multiple punts inside the 10 yard line on Saturday, uh, flipping the field. I mean, we all know how important flipping the field is for Iowa. And over the past couple of years, we just haven't been able to get it done. So Torrey Taylor is really nice to see our It doesn't seem like he hits his punts very high, but he gets the the way the ball, like how hard he hits the ball. He pushes the punt returner back, and it just kind of messes with him a little bit. So the Australian is getting it done. And it's hard to argue against Tyler Goodson. Brandon Smith, I think, could be the only other guy you you go with. And he had the touchdown, but he also – Kind of made a low-key play when Tyrone, uh, uh high pass hit Tyrone Tracy in the hands, and it bounced off, and Brandon Smith caught it. Um, kind of an important play and at the point of that game. So I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Goodson, but Brandon Smith had a nice game. And I uh, was reading tw- Twitter before we got on tonight, too, and it looked like Brandon Smith was getting a little bit of NFL draft buzz just for his vertical – his size and his uh his physical capabilities um so it's nice to see him getting some love. he's my favorite receiver and he has been for a couple of years so um but good send 14 for 113 and two touchdowns that's that that gets it done for offense um what are your thoughts on Petrus? it's week we've gone three weeks um i have an opinion on it but what do you think
2: Yeah, before I get your opinion, I'm just going to read his stats. 63 for 116, 648 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. So that's for the season. Uh, I mean, I can't sway too far on my opinion of him to this point. I still got to see something. I'm a believer. I'm not a hater of anyone at the quarterback position, uh, except for Joe Flacco. uh, And... I don't know i want to see him he's got to have a, a better game against a decent team this there i really can't take this game into any type of consideration because we could have ran every play if we wanted to and yeah. that's what i think what do you think
0: i don't know i'm uh i'm beginning to waver a little bit and it's he's the best option at quarterback on our team absolutely he just is the, he has the Nate Stanley complex. He has to just rip that ball in there and maybe some of it's on the receivers. If it hits you in the hands, catch the ball, you know, but it's just uh, he sat under Nate Stanley. I do Nate rubbed off on him a little bit. I'm also worried about the downfield, the 20 yards and more passing too. We haven't seen much out of him yet with the ability to complete any sort of deep balls. Nate missed on not a lot of deep balls when he started his career but he also started to connect on a few you know he never was great at it I they have not even tested that out yet first game they took a shot but I just I worry about the ability to stretch the field vertical passing you know he does love that um, that slant to uh, oh gosh to uh, Sam Laporta and tight ends and Tyron Tracy across the across the field but you know, eventually teams are going to pick up on that. You're going to have to spread the field against good defenses. Uh, We have Minnesota and Penn State next. Um, So two teams, you know, maybe not having the best start to the season, but we know they're talented. So we'll see. I'm not sold on him by any means yet. I'm not ready to put him away yet either. I think he can do, I think he can do the job and be fine. Nate figured it out. Um, This kid's clearly talented and I think he can do a good job. He just kind of has to catch his breath. Sometimes it feels like he's so nervous. It just feels like there's like jitters and he, he just is reacting instead of taking his time and making the reads. And uh, college quarterbacks just don't also do a good job of like taking, like, obviously there's pressure coming. It depends. We have a good line, like take your time, check out your reads, throw the ball. I know it's easier said than done, but it just feels like he needs to take a deep breath. Maybe they need to do some sort of meditation in the locker room. I don't know. not going to bury him yet. I think he's fine. I think he'll be all right, but we'll see how it goes.
2: So you want to talk about the rest of the big 10 or you want to talk about Iowa, Minnesota a little
1: bit?
0: Oh, let's, let's talk about Iowa, Minnesota. Um, I don't know if I'm assuming you're pulling up some stats on Minnesota here. Ibrahim, their running back has been an absolute monster um, this year. They have Bateman um, who also is a freak. He's a smaller receiver uh, I, I believe he's smaller. I think he's like David Bell size. Um, and their quarterback is his, last year he was really good. Uh, I still I just think PJ Fleck is too erratic. I just don't think he makes sound coaching decisions. Last year when he got that uh, that personal foul, I feel like it really impacted his players and impacted the game. So it feels like his teams always ride his emotions, which his emotions are usually out of check and out of whack. And I, I just am not a PJ Flett guy. There's people out there that say I'm a PJ Flett guy. I'm not a PJ Flett guy. Um, I, I think we get rolling here a little bit. I, I I know I just said, I don't have confidence in Brian Ferrance to string it together, but we also haven't lost to Minnesota. And I think it's been six straight years, maybe seven. So I don't think that ends. I think that, I think our team is heating up a little bit. Our defensive line played well and, Our offensive line blocked well, even though we were missing two starters. So I'm confident we get uh, Amir Smith, our setback. We did mention great. I don't know if you remember, we did mention having him out this past weekend was going to be a positive. I think it did allow some guys to get some breathing room on that offense. Charlie Jones um, got a sweep at one point and had a big play. I think I opened it up a little bit. He'll get back in. He'll do his thing. But I think we beat Minnesota this weekend. I'm not going to say we score 49. I'm going to say we get 31. And I think we hold Minnesota. We haven't allowed 30 in a game in forever. Um, a stat that I did see was in, since 20, November 2018, we haven't allowed a team to score more than 24 points. So I'm going to give Minnesota 24, 31, 24, Iowa.
2: So the line right now is Iowa minus three. That surprised me a little bit. But then looking at the stats, like you said, Iowa defense, I think, has a clear advantage. Minnesota defense allowing 36 points per contest. Oh. Now, again, that's only three games, but they've allowed over 45 twice already. Wait, who are
0: those teams, to Michigan, and who was the other one?
2: Uh, Maryland. And uh, oh. that, So this is, all, I would say, the advantages to Minnesota here in that this is their second Friday night game where it is Iowa's first. Um, so I gave them a little bit of advantage just game planning the week for a uh, Friday night game that being said whatever their game planning was the first time they played they were 18 point favorites against Maryland and ended up losing yeah um, but offensive numbers Minnesota is a little bit better yeah this I mean looking at this uh, running back 10 touchdowns already through three games that's incredible but it seems like, I don't know if PJ Flex trying to evolve to a Big 12 team in the Big 10, but looks like all offense to me, defense is a huge question mark. Uh, I'm going to say it's it's closer than you said. It's going to be right around three points in my opinion. So I'm going to go weather, weather, I think this weekend, as far as I know, Northwest Iowa is possibly getting some weather. Uh, So I'd assume Minnesota is going to be pretty cold. So I'm going to say it's a little lower scoring. So it's going to hit the under of 56. I'm going to go Iowa. Iowa 24, Michigan. Minnesota. Excuse me. Sorry. Minnesota 23. One point win for the Hawks.
0: Yeah, I just don't think Minnesota's proven. Like you can say the same about Iowa, but Northwestern and Purdue are like, they're 2-0. They're both 2-0. The Michigan win, uh, the loss against Michigan is concerning for them. They got spanked by Michigan, who has not been playing well now. They lost to Maryland, who Maryland all of a sudden looks pretty good, but they allowed 45 points. And I I watched that game, and Minnesota's defense kind of was like butter. You know, you could slice right through it. Um, And then they they beat Illinois, who got smoked in week one against Wisconsin, and I haven't paid attention to them since, but I know they haven't won yet. So – this will be their prove-it game. Iowa, look, Iowa has, was in both of these games, these first two games, Purdue and Northwestern, had opportunities to win. Iowa could easily be three and zero. Iowa is gonna be their toughest test this year so far. They hate Iowa, we hate Iowa, we hate Iowa. They always say, it. They, this is probably their biggest game of the season so far. So they're gonna be gunning for us. I just think we'll be ready. I think our defense is better. Our secondary, we've done this thing where we put uh, Merriweather at safety and Dane Belton at cash. And I really think it's kind of the the key to our defense, having Merriweather back there at safety. So um, Jack Campbell siding this weekend, potentially, it sounds like. So we'll have our linebackers. We'll be full strength. There's no injuries on the team right now, barring any COVID cases. I think we'll be full strength. I I think we'll do well. I think we will. Their, their Minnesota's defense hasn't impressed me. Their offense is good, but they haven't played a defense as good as Iowa yet this year, I don't I don't believe.
2: Yeah. I hope so. I hope you're right. Uh, any other Big Ten stuff you want to go over? I know Wisconsin's still dealing with some stuff. Nebraska
0: playing this weekend though. Are they? Yeah. Um Nebraska. Ooh, I have a Nebraska stat for you. Okay. So at this point of the Mike Riley era, he was 16 and 12. Frost in that same amount of time, nine and seventeen at nebraska so pretty interesting and mike riley was tossed out of town i think they're still paying Mike. i still, they're paying bo pelini and mike riley still i don't know who else they're paying but probably more coaches um nebraska switched quarterbacks on saturday look i'm not going to light them up they lost they're 0-3 0-2 <laughs> they scott frost is not a good coach i i don't think he knows how to call plays i don't think he should call plays they have two quarterbacks who are pretty good. Mark, look, Martinez is good. I don't care what you say. He's an athletic quarterback. Draw your offense up around him. Stop making the guy throw so many times. Every time he throws, I feel like he's going to throw an interception. McCaffrey, kids, a stud too. How are you not going out and winning games against these teams? Scott Frost, he ain't it. I'm cool with him being on Nebraska because I think Nebraska will be terrible as long as he's there. All these people are telling me Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck, Scott Frost. It's all a bunch of ya, yeah, ya. ya that's all i'm
2: saying uh can i put you on blast for five seconds five seconds you did predict nebraska would beat iowa later this year
0: i also predicted we would go seven and one (laughs) (laughs) how's that going for us
2: hey it, we need to get, like you said, this is a part of the schedule. We can get rolling a little bit because Minnesota and Penn State are not what we thought they were. So,
0: wouldn't it be yeah. just BS if we ended up beating Penn State this year and Wisconsin, but we we end up screwing ourselves because we lose to Purdue and Northwestern? It just it would be the moon. It totally would. And I think this team is good enough. They're going to compete in every game this year. There's not one team. We don't play Ohio State. No, Penn State is one and two. There's no other. They might be 0-3. They're 0-3. There's not one team on this schedule that we cannot compete against, but it's it's the Big Ten. You know, you You're going to have to play football games the entire time, and you can't turn the ball over like we've been doing the first two weeks. Didn't last weekend. We'll see. Um, what do you think? Any other Big Ten talk?
2: Uh, I got two other college football things. Is that okay. uh, number one, don't know his name. They were on the second TV during the Iowa game, but the Indiana quarterback, I kind of like. He's a yeah, Pe- Phoenix. Yeah, he's, he's solid. I like him. He's uh, a stud.
0: Indiana's fun this year. They're fun this year.
2: That's So that's number one. Number two, did watch the Iowa State game with my family. Uh, uh, they did not cover, which uh, was unfortunate for some of my family members, but it was an exciting game. They did a nice job. Actually, one more college football thing real quick. Uh, shout out to uh, Uncle Paul and Aunt Hannah. We're at their place Saturday. Um, Hannah's hit or miss on some parlays, but she needed a TCU touchdown and Max Duggan broke like a 70 yarder in the fourth quarter for them to cover. And she went crazy. It was awesome.
0: Shout out council bluffs, Max Duggan getting yeah. it done. Yeah. Word on the street is she doesn't miss on parlays. Is that right? uh, she,
2: she, she put in three, she puts in a parlay for the early window, the mid window and the late window. And she was one for three on Saturday.
0: So. <laughs> Good thing you're not involved in any of that stuff.
2: Yeah, 1-800 bets off
0: <laughs> um
2: the other thing from the Iowa game
0: last thing then let's go on to talk about uh some other topics Davian Nixon getting called for intimidating uh intimate intimate oh my gosh imitating the snap count
1: mm-hmm. that was
0: funny stuff that really was funny um he's a funny guy I like him but uh That's it for football. Uh, Good win for the Hawks on the Minnesota on Friday night at 6 p.m. Um, Fran McCaffrey, just quick talked today to the media. Uh, We don't have media passes yet. Maybe one day if I stop bagging on Brian Ferentz. um, (laughs) Just talk quick. He talked quick. I listened to the whole thing. There really wasn't much. It was just kind of talking about the season, COVID, how they're handling it and everything. Uh, But it just got me hyped up for the season. So maybe next week we'll run through our power rankings of Iowa basketball players. That could be fun um talked about Garza a little bit sounds like he's shooting threes better which I thought he shot the three ball pretty well last year I was getting into an argument with not an argument a conversation with some guys earlier today in a group chat we were talking about the key to the season I was my my thought was that Joe Wieskamp needs to be better this year he had moments last year where he was he played really good basketball and then towards the end of the season um he did we, we, this was part of the argument that I, I didn't think Joe played as well as he could have at the end of last season. He was getting dogged by a lot of good defenses. He was getting held a lot more. And um, I think he'll get better from that at the end of last season. I think Joe's going to have a great season and he's going to be a big, big reason why we do really well this year.
2: Yeah. So uh, do, do you know, I was two solidified games on the schedule and who they're against? One's
0: Gonzaga and South Dakota correct the the other one's northern illinois isn't it no is it a non-conference it's got to be a non-conference
2: correct and there's a oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: yeah. north carolina
2: correct so just as a and fran said this might be the toughest schedule he has had they have not released big 10 schedule or other non-conference games but the two games if you google iowa hawkeyes men's basketball schedule are December 8th at home against North Carolina, who is ranked 16th and December 19th at Sioux Falls against number one ranked Gonzaga. So <laughs> I am looking forward to it, but we're going to know pretty early what this Hawkeye team is. Yeah,
0: let's go get through the gauntlet early. And Iowa <laughs> state, I've heard Iowa state's going to be on the schedule. I heard there was going to be at least one more solid team on there. Uh, I think the Oregon state game replaced the Gonzaga game. Oregon state's terrible anyways. But, um, I'm going to go through this week and watch old basketball highlights from last season to to pump me up for this power rankings we're doing next week. But how exciting is it to have Bohannon, Frederick, Nunji, Garza, Wieskamp, Joe Toussaint, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, and all the freshmen. we lost Kreener, but we we got a good roster this year. And uh, Fran was talking a little bit too about like some of the old players that kind of made the program. Um, what they are and he was talking about Ola Shaney and Devin Marble and Aaron White Uh, but he did shout out our boy Bryce Cartwright for leading the Big Ten in assists uh, in in one of his first years too so shout out Bryce Cartwright maybe Bryce Cartwright will come on the Bang podcast Um, so yeah no that was a really exciting that the Gonzaga tickets actually go on sale next Monday there's there's tickets for this game actually Uh, next Monday at 10. I have it saved on my calendar. I'm going to see if I can talk my wife into letting me buy tickets for this game on uh, December 19th. So um, I don't know what the ticket, I'm sure they'll go on sale and off sale really fast. I might try and snag some. What do you think?
2: Uh,
0: It's during basketball season. That's pretty tough for you.
2: Well, we also not to discourage people from going to the uh, Iowa Gonzaga game but we do play our rival Maquoketa that night in Maquoketa Iowa so uh
0: oh okay
2: I'm hoping that game is the night game because our game's at 4 30 so I'm hoping we go from a big one at Maquoketa our rival to beating Gonzaga that night that'd be a great Saturday
0: I thought you were gonna say we are in a pandemic
2: <laughs> <laughs> no that, that didn't even cross my mind actually.
0: <laughs> yes we are in a pandemic um Oh, we're not anymore because the election's over, right? Just kidding. Um, Shout out whoever won. Um, Okay, so let's move on to the NFL. Uh, Buccaneers did not play up to our standard last night. Uh, Tampa lost. I think the final was 38-3. to Brady threw three interceptions. Uh, Tampa looked absolutely god-awful.
2: Here's my question. Yes. At what point did you turn the game off? Halftime. Okay, good. I'm That's what I did too. I thought you might go a little longer, but it just did not look good. Are the Saints like, are the Saints like a top team, or what are we thinking there?
0: Um, so I was going into last night. I've been listening to the Bill Simmons podcast too much, and I, I got to start forming on my opinions off of what he says because the uh, he was not hyped on the Saints after last week, and the Saints played poorly against the Bears, and they still won but they were throwing up the guys on their, the, the pregame when you, or the, once the game starts, you know, they used to say your name and your college, Tristan Worf's Iowa. They don't do it anymore on NBC, which yeah. sucks. Cause that was awesome. But they're throwing up the saints roster and everything like that. And the saints, their team is legit. The fact that they have Kamara and Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and their quarterbacks, Drew Brees. I don't care what anyone says. Drew Brees is still legit and he's, he can, he's accurate as hell. Um and their defense is good too. I I think Tristan Wirfs struggled last night for the first time in his NFL career. Uh Cam Jordan came at him right away. This is a Tristan Wirfs podcast, too. And you know what's really frustrating is I finally, and those who don't have access to the video of this podcast can't see this. I finally got my Brady jersey this week. And of course, the week that I get my Brady jersey. They just get smoked, so that sucked. And I really do think that they'll be okay. And reason being, th- this was an issue at the start of the season when they had all these receivers and all these weapons to deal with, and they didn't really know where to put the ball. And this wasn't just on the offense; it was defense too, obviously. But you can't turn the ball three over, three, uh, turn the ball over three times against a good team. They have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Breit, the running backs, Gronk. If all these guys are throw to. Like it's almost like adding Antonio Brown wasn't the right move, not just because of his character, but because they're too too many guys in the wide receiver room. So I don't know. The game sucked. I was really the Bucs are terrible in prime time and they always have been. Even the game against the Giants last week when they won wasn't good. So um interested to see how they how it turns out from here. Look, you don't need to be playing your best football if you're a really good team in week nine, but you need to be improving probably week over week. So we'll see. Brady didn't look good. They ran the ball five times. I'm gonna repeat that five times uh last night. So I don't know. You can add whatever you want. Let's talk about something positive in your Chiefs too. I don't know.
2: Uh just well not necessarily positive to start. This is my fantasy horror story of the week. Okay. So I have Patrick Mahomes. I have Christian McCaffrey in the Mobile League um so they're obviously going off in the early window so playing my friend jace he texts me will your team please stop it i also have jerry judy who also went off in the early window so i'm like projected to beat him by 20 25 points probably after the early window i also go into last night still leading by a comfortable margin and he doesn't have anyone playing last night and i have chris godwin Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, and the Buccaneers defense. So four guys yet to play. And I'm, you know, again, up 15, 20, maybe even 30 points. They get me a combined 11 points through four guys. And I'm just sitting there going, number one, why would I ever start three receivers on the same team? Yeah. Number two, why would I ever start but again, I, if they played like how they have played a few of the games, like I, it could have worked out. Anyway, as we're taping this podcast, I'm only up seven, and he has the Patriots running back going and the Patriots defense. So I'm just the, it's like Michigan State's driving down the field in the Big Ten championship. I just I know how this is going to end, and I can't stop it. You know.
0: Yeah, if you weren't in 39 leagues, you'd also have realized that we're playing each other too in one of our leagues, and Tampa's D got us got me negative one points last night, and I think you have the Patriots defense tonight, so as long as Joe Flacco does what he does, I think you'll get a victory, but you know, that's the uh, that's the downside of having 77 uh, fantasy football teams, so. Uh, every,
2: every time you say it, it's a different number. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's the fantasy horror story of the week this week. Um, but um, any, uh, I, I, we can go through the NFL. It was uh, not a lot of crazy stuff this week. The, my favorite game that I watched was either that Dolphins-Cardinals game or <laughs> that Chargers-Raiders game had a pretty good ending. The uh, Ra- uh, Chargers got their, their hearts ripped out again. My friend Zach Matthews, uh, former Coyotes uh, coworker, and all-around good guy as a Chargers fan. Uh, actually worked for the Buccaneers at 1.2, but Chargers fan. And every week he texts me and he says, "Should they fire Anthony Lynn?" So I told him I'd give him a shout out on the Bang podcast. Um, and I told him, "No, Anthony Lynn. I think he's a good guy. Good guys don't shouldn't always be coaches, but I think he keeps that team rallied around, and they're in every game." So. That was my favorite game from the weekend, probably, or from the yeah from Sunday. Raiders Chargers was really good. So, uh, what was your favorite game overall from the weekend?
2: Yeah, I would agree that late window actually had three great games. Yeah, uh, it did. The Raiders Chargers, the the Cowboys who uh, were in position to win the game against the Steelers, and then the the Dolphins Cardinals was my favorite. I have Kyler Murray in sixteen of my thirty five leagues. <laughs> and he's just fun to watch. But I also think Tua kind of brought it on the national stage a little bit. I yeah. have a little proposition for you. Maybe in a week or two, whenever we get time, we can uh, just go through this uh, NFL rookie draft and give some player comps or some evaluation grades. What do you yeah. think?
0: Yeah, I think that's great. It's, uh, it's really interesting seeing a lefty quarterback run around too. It's so much, it's like, it's weirdly different yeah watch, i don't know why it's so different but it's cool he's you know it it's his second game ever but it, he he's he's talented he's a good player yeah. and so, uh
2: all three of those were good and yeah, he's had a close game kind of a scare not not really they didn't play great but they're yeah. finally made it to the bye week and they only have one loss and easily could have won that game but they do have two or three games they probably should have lost one against the Chargers in week two um but they're relatively healthy Mahomes four touchdowns again the dude's just insane but if they can just Le'Veon so far has not been successfully added to the mix I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out I think Edward Solera it's his job to lose but he's he's doing an excellent job. So, it, I mean, he's not losing anything right now. So yeah, hopefully they stay healthy. I think Kelsey's pretty easily, especially Kittle's out, but Kelsey's yeah. the best tight end in the league. It's,
0: yeah, I think with with the way that Niners season is going right now, I think you give it back to Kelsey for the time being. Um, Le'Veon seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to impact them in the playoffs. You know, like you're going to get you're going to get to uh, the, the AFC championship and Clyde Edwards is going to go down and Le'Veon just going to, uh, he seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to contribute in the postseason. So um, some, some quick special teams notes from the weekend. Okay. Um, say how about the uh, Panthers trying the 67 yard field goal to yeah. win the game. He had the, Joey Sly had the leg on it. Yes, he did. It's, it's pretty hard. I'm sure it's pretty hard to hit a straight 67 yarder when you're just hammering the ball. Yeah. But I respect Matt rule for going for it and trusting his guy. So um, special team shout out to Joey Sly. And then every, every time I have the red zone on and Matt Hawk is the, the game. For some reason, the dolphins punting ends up on the red zone quite a bit. I don't know why, but maybe because they're in the three games in the late, late window, but Matt Hawk is always putting a ball inside the 10. So friend of the program, he's looking good. Some, some people are saying to me just throughout the league from sources I'm hearing, uh, he's an all-pro best punter in the NFL. So just what I'm hearing, that's just some rumblings. Um, and, you know, I hear a lot of rumblings, some some false, some true, but uh, that's just what I'm hearing. So um, anything else you want, you want to add from the NFL? I, it was a fine week. There was some good football on. I got to watch most of the games. I did a little yard work before the games. So that was nice to get that done and, uh, and throw on the football. But uh, anything anything else you want to add?
2: Yeah. Uh, one more special teams note, and then okay. I want to play a very quick NFL betting game with you. Okay. Um, Zane Gonzalez, also Arizona State alum, That's right. friend of friend of friend of the program. Yes. Uh, was short on a forty-nine-yarder yarder that really cost me. I was really hoping that would go in, not only for fantasy reasons, uh, no. as he's on eight of my fifteen teams, <laughs> but also, I wanted that game to go to overtime so bad. I wanted to see Tua and Kyler Murray in overtime. Yes. We deserved overtime there. Murray got him to the correct field position, and he just ended up short. I don't, I don't know what, what happened.
0: happened there. It's like I watched that play and I watched him kick the ball, and it was straight. And I'm like, oh, that's going in because yeah. NFL kickers put in 49 yarders. Like, did you see what happened? Like, he had to. He even act, after it happened, he acted like something went wrong. So, did yeah. you see what happened?
2: Who knows? And he's, he's got career makes from over 50. So it wasn't like they were out of his range. It's in Arizona, which you can have the roof off, but the wind is not going to be a huge yeah. factor. So I, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe the Roger Goodell called in and said, Hey, we need tour to win this game to keep, you know, league uh, ticket sales up in Florida or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know either,
0: but that was, uh, that was definitely weird to see, you know, Shake it off San Gonzalez, friend of the friend of the program. Um, you'll be all right, man. We'll see you next week. Uh,
2: all right. Quick game. Yes. All right. uh, for those listeners who may have a problem, may not have a problem, but maybe focus on sports betting. I want you to guess there are four teams currently tied with a six and two record against the spread for NFL betting this season. Now, I think these are spreads from the games just before kickoff, okay? And I will give you, there are two AFC who have, excuse me, two NFC who have very good overall records and two AFC who don't have as great records. I want to see how many of the four you can get. I'll give you like six guesses just okay. of the teams that are six and two against the spread this year.
0: Say that. Four four AFC, two NFC, or vice versa?
2: No, sorry. I'll give you six guesses, but you're guessing four teams total. Okay. So there's two AFC, two NFC.
0: And they're six and two against the spread. Correct. I feel like Carolina's got to be one of these teams because every week they are in close games. Is Is one of them Carolina?
2: Carolina is not. They have been in a lot of close games, but they are five and four against the spread.
0: So they almost made the list. Oh, this is a tough game. Um, let's see. Is, is is Buffalo one of these teams?
2: Buffalo is not. Uh, so you got four. You got to try and go four for four here. Buffalo oh, is four and five against the spread this year.
0: Okay. Dolphins have to be one of these teams.
2: Dolphins is one of the teams. They are six and two against the spread. Nice job.
0: Okay. Okay, who uh, who else is uh, who's balling this year? Who's an up and coming team? It's no one in the A- NFC East. We can cross that whole co- that whole division out.
2: Correct. <laughs> I-, I can actually give you their divisions if you would like.
0: Uh, let me let me get. Uh, so I got I got one AFC
2: team, and this is my fault. There are three AFC, one NFC. Okay,
0: the NFC team is the Arizona Cardinals.
2: Nope. Good guess. They are 5-3, and three, so close. Okay. Against the spread.
0: The NFC team, could it be Seattle?
2: Nope. They are 5-3 and three as well, so close. I'm,
0: almost, I'm, on, I'm on top of this. You have to admit I'm on top of it.
2: <laughs> um, NFC North.
0: Okay. It's the Packers.
2: Yep. Packers are 6-2. and two. Now, the other remaining two AFC teams are... Uh, AFC East or AFC North? I think it's AFC North. Steelers. Correct.
0: They're both AFC North?
2: Yep. And oh. this one this one I don't think you would get.
0: It's gotta be the Bengals.
2: Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Ding ding ding. Nice. That, helped job. Me
0: out. that, that hint helped me out quite a bit, but at the same time. Joy B's competing out there.
2: He is. He's, I think he's passed every test, especially the one of not getting injured yet with okay. a horrible offensive line.
0: Here's a question for you. Yeah. Is Joe Burrow a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now?
2: Uh, I, I can't wait to do the research on some player comps with him because he's like, just looking at him, he's like Carson Palmer, but more mobile and just just better overall. You just and like, never he's beat. like
0: a guy in that Bengals uniform.
2: Right. And he never beat Iowa in like the biggest bowl game in our lifetime uh, against yeah. Iowa.
0: All right. I'm just writing down. I'm going to throw these out. Top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL.
2: So as you're writing, can I just name some? Yeah. That are yeah. easily better. Mahomes, Lamar. Wilson. Wilson, Murray. I think big Ben's probably on that list no no i won't do it (laughs) you what there ain't no
0: it's not his fault it's the defense (laughs) fine you put ben on there i think joe burrow can do what big ben does um so there look right there you plug joe burrow into that Steelers offense
2: well let me keep thinking i think tom and drew Brees are on that list Aaron Rodgers is on that list. Kirk Cousins is on that list.
0: (laughs) Okay, hold on. Okay, so, okay. I'm going to give you Pat, Russell, Lamar, even Kyler Murray.
2: Oh, Kyler Murray is definitely on that list.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you take Joe Burrow and you plug him in to the Tampa Bay offense. All right. That's a bad example. Brady's Brady's had a pretty good year this year.
2: Yeah. But,
0: okay. Steelers offense. I just don't think big Ben should take credit for this season. He he makes dumb mistakes sometimes and Joe Burrow can make dumb mistakes, but the kid's got to, I mean, his, his arm strength isn't like the best thing I've ever seen, but he's accurate. He makes plays. He's tough. He, there was a play where who's the, uh, the pit kid that's their Tyler Boyd. he, there was this, this video I saw of Joe Burrow and he anticipated Tyler Boyd like turning around at the last second. It was over the middle of the field and it was one of the craziest throws I've seen this season. I just think if you, he's a, you can plug him into that Pittsburgh offense and he's better than Big Ben. I just think Joe Burrow is sniffing or is, is possibly in that top 10 conversation.
2: I, I, would, I would like to argue with you about this at some point. Uh, but I will say one more person that's not on that list. No disrespect. Josh Allen is not on that list.
0: I agree. Not yet.
2: Okay. Turnover problems.
0: And you know, you, you can't disappear for four weeks and out of the season. You just can't do it.
2: Yep. Can't do it.
0: People are saying that he can't get it done in the playoffs too. That's just what I've heard. So, um, and it's those, those same sources. So,
2: um,
0: that, that was that's good. Let, let's uh, let's talk about those quarterbacks next week and those rook, the, the rookies in the NFL. I think that'd be a, a good thing to go over. Um, anything else you want to add from the NFL? I thought the NFL the NFL is going well. The COVID's staying for the most part pretty clear. Um, anything else you want to add?
2: Did you want to look ahead at all to this next week's game? Yeah, or? I
0: do. I do want to do that. I do okay. want to do that.
2: Let's do that real quick. I also want to quickly add worst teams against the spread, just for those that like uh like the fan duel, like the DraftKings. Dallas one and eight, and their one win against the spread was this week against the Steelers. Next two worst, no surprise with one the Jets. Houston. Stay away from Houston. They're one and seven against the spread.
0: That's bad. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson has he fallen out of that top 10 list that we we're talking about?
2: That's uh see That's I think need He's so good. I need more research there. I, let's
0: let's take a look at him and, and reconvene. Um also, quick uh, quick note, I'm just pulling up these uh these uh games for next week. Guess Joe Flacco's stat line at the half of the the Patriots Jets game. No peeking.
2: I I've, I've had an eye on it just a little not much I know he has at least one touchdown but I'm guessing since you're saying he's probably got two touchdowns and like 215 yards
0: he's 194 and two touchdowns the Jets over the Patriots 20 to 10 and a half Belichick we talked about it last week Belichick's mailing it in he's he's, he's gonna try and get a draft pick
2: uh can you tell me who the two touchdowns are to quickly I know one is not to my guy
0: who are your who are your players
2: uh, all i have tonight are new england's defense and Jamison crowder
0: one to brashad perryman. perryman one Jamison crowder
2: yes big time let's go okay you're
0: feeling good okay so that's uh that's joe flacco is he elite he might be um week 10 nfl let's uh let's let's talk about it thursday night colts titans titans a one and a half point favorite uh, what other good games we got we got the we got the Washington football team shout out your brother against the Detroit Lions uh who do your chiefs do your chiefs have a bye yeah they have a bye it chiefs looks like
2: you start on the bye
0: uh Tampa Bay's bye is until December by the way I thought that was kind of interesting
2: that is uh, interesting.
0: Tampa Bay Panthers gosh the Panthers are feisty
2: they are that's at Carolina too but it's a good bounce back game for <laughs> the for the Bucs they're good that's a week you gotta prepare well because yeah. there's no way you're not gonna win if you don't. So I I see him bouncing back there.
0: Coaching staff's too good. The players are too good. You, you got to come back and win that game. Um, Eagles Giants. Bleh. The slate of games isn't as good as I would like. Um, Chargers Dolphins could be a good game. Two of us Herbert. Oh yeah. And Herbert's a stud. Bills Cardinals. That's a good game. Ooh, that's a what do you got there? I got the, I have the Cardinals as a two point favorite.
2: That's yeah. I uh, I agree. I think yeah. I that's a stay away for me though. That could go either way.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Ooh, Rams Seahawks. They always have good games. That's a uh, Rams one and a half point favorite. So it's in L.A. Um, I like the Seahawks there.
2: So as you're looking, just a quick programming note. As you're looking at the schedule, do you notice how many afternoon slot games there are?
0: There's more than more than this last week, and I see four. Five six.
2: There are six afternoon slot games. Do you know why that is? Uh,
0: I have no idea.
2: This Sunday is the final round of the Masters golf tournament. Oh baby! Include around two thirty, so the NFL smartly moved several, or I think two or three of the early morning kickoff games to the afternoon. So if you want a full, jam-packed sporting sunday this is it folks
0: wow there's nothing like remember in college have a really fun night on a saturday just messing around doing what college kids do just sitting there with zero brain cells on sunday watching that tv that was elite those were the days um Dang it, we should have done some Masters picks for this week. Well, I
2: think we still might if we can get to it. All right,
0: fair enough. We get, we get, we got to hustle and bustle along here. Yeah. Um,
2: All right, we'll get there. Anyway, I, I see three games I'm going to have my eye on. Okay. Uh, Seahawks, Rams, Bills, Cardinals, and Dolphins, Chargers. Every other game, there, there's a few more toss-up ones. I think Texans, Browns will be okay. I think Bucks, Panthers, really even Washington and Detroit, I think will be a decent game, but. Speaking of
0: your against the spread boys, the Bengals um, are a seven and a half point dog against the Steelers.
2: That's. I would be careful of that one. Pittsburgh's coming off a closer game than they wanted, and yeah. they were, so.
0: Fair enough. Okay, that, that looks good. I think there's some good games coming up. I agree with you on those games. Um, Bears are falling apart too. Don't even want to get into them. They they suck. So. Let's move on. Um, I do want to do a guest that player. I do want to talk about the masters as well. So NBA, not much to add. They've locked in that. Uh, it sounds like they've locked in that, uh, starting date, December 22nd draft coming up free agency coming up. Not much to add there, but, um, anything NBA wise, I want to do, uh, our weekly game, but you want to add anything specifically.
2: I think there were a couple coaching hires, uh, but I've also just seen some arguments on the Twitter about teams that didn't make the bubble, how much rest they're getting as opposed to teams that did. I'm like, a lot of NBA teams are resting during the regular season anyway. It's really not the best teams are going to be there at the end of the year. Just hold your horses, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're gonna get some basketball before the new year. That's what I'm glad about. Heck
0: yeah! Heck yeah! College starts soon. NBA, we'll be feeling good. Um, okay, so this week, three players, and there's really no trend to who these players are. They're just good basketball players. So I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you guess. I will give you the conference again. We got uh, 18 points, four rebounds, four assists from the Western Conference. 18, 4, and 4. Three guesses.
2: I'm going to go 18, 4, and 4. I feel like CJ McCollum might have a few more points. So would Mitchell. Uh, Jamal Jamal Murray would have more assists. Uh, Would De'Aaron Fox have 4, and 4? Hmm. I'll go De'Aaron Fox, first guess. Oh,
0: cr- incorrect.
2: But you saying that means I either naming the person or I was somewhat close, either one or not.
0: Western Conference.
2: <laughs> um, let's go McCollum. Incorrect. He's got too many points. Uh, so now I'm guessing I was very far off. So, I'm going to go hmm, – uh, Drew Holiday would have more than that. Not sure. on Dallas. LAC. I feel like uh, Lou Williams would have more points than that, but he'd be similar for rebounds and assists. So, uh, this isn't right, but I'll go Lou Williams.
0: That's uh, You already had named this player when you were trying to figure out who it was. So – it's Jamal Murray, bubble superstar.
2: Wow, Eight. I thought he'd have more points or assists than that.
0: So did I, 18-4-4. Uh, four four. So that, that's an interesting stat line. It's a tough one. Um, this second player is from the Eastern Conference, 23-7-3. and three. 23 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Cool. Good you should score. get this one.
2: What was it, 23-7-3? and three?
0: Yep.
2: Okay, so three assists or seven assists?
0: Seven boards, three assists.
2: Okay, seven boards, twenty-three points, seven boards, three assists. Um, White side wouldn't have that many. Bam, nah, not that much scoring. Twenty-three and seven. Embiid would be around that twenty-three, but I feel like he'd have more than seven. So we'll
0: Make go a little bit smaller here.
2: Okay, we'll go Blake Griffin first guess. Incorrect. Okay. Smaller as in the player or the market for the team,
0: as in the player.
2: Okay, uh, 27 boards though for a guard. That's that's a guard, yeah, that's a you lot. Bigs, though. Uh, no one on Milwaukee, Indiana, Sabonis would have more rebounds. We already did Kevin Love um bam no washington no boston um i feel like it's not it but we'll go we'll go tatum
0: yes there you go yeah. <laughs> you got to it yeah, he's a good rebounder jason tatum yeah, that, and you don't that think, is you think jason tatum as just this great passer and so i i think that uh that stat line just reads exactly who he is as a basketball player. This last one is a little bit tougher, but I think you can get it. We're going back to the Western Conference here. 18-7-1, okay. and, and I have a hint, but I think it'll give it to you, so I'm not going to give it to you 18.7 boards, one assist.
1: Hmm. It's not so a not, playmaker.
2: <laughs> not a passer. Oh. It's got to be mellow.
0: Is that your first guess? Yeah. That's incorrect, but I like the uh, thought process there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, 18, though. So it's got to be like a straight shooter, but I don't think J.J. Redick, and he wouldn't have seven rebounds either. Uh, seven rebounds. That might be someone like P.J. Tucker. Did he get that many points? I'll guess P.J. Tucker.
0: And Incorrect on guess number two. This player won an award this past wow. season. He won an award.
2: Yeah, that gave it away. It's uh Harrell from the yep. Clippers.
0: Yeah, six man of the year Montrez Harrell. I knew it would. Um, yeah. Montrez Harrell's gonna make some money this summer. I think he's gonna make 15 million ish dollars. It sounds like so. Remember when uh Tristan Thompson signed what it was like a 15 20 million dollar deal and people freaked out and now they're giving Montrez Harrell that money. and interesting um okay last thing I did I uh, wanted to do with the NBA and then maybe let's take a look at some master stuff sure. um I saw a tweet and listed four players Derek Rose Yao Ming Greg Oden and Brandon Roy what's the common theme with all these players
2: so Derek Rose uh, well it's knee injuries right
0: Inj- yeah injuries in general um all of them kind of supremely talented players kind of cut short by injury definitely brandon roy and, the, and yep. grego and then the other two for sure too sucks to be a blazers fan man those two guys are studs um out of all four of those players injury free who has the best career if they don't suffer their injuries
2: so it was d rose odin roy and who is the other one
0: yao ming yao ming
2: I mean, the era Yao Ming played, it was a big man's era. It's – he had a nice career being injured. Roy, I think, like, man, that dude could play. But D. Rose, too, like, in D. Rose's prime, you could not stay in front of that guy. But as the NBA evolves, does the jump shot evolve with it? Now, he's still playing, and he can put up some numbers, but is he a valuable member – of a championship team. I don't see it. Odin, I don't know if he would have, I don't know. He was, he was good in college. So I would say Yao Ming just because of the time frame, probably, but out of those d Rose probably my favorite, but Brandon Roy is probably second on my list for best career. If he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. What do you think?
0: I don't know. I, I, I hear you on all those. And I just remember greg odin in college just being so dominant but you just didn't get enough picture in the nba of like what he would what he was going to be like there was there was very few games but he did dominate a game or two you know i i remember him playing a few games and being being good i uh that injury to d rose i still think it, i think it's d rose and You're right. You know, the, the jumper wasn't always there. You can compare him to Russell Westbrook. I just think he has this attitude and toughness about him and maybe it's because he suffered the injury and he came back and all that. He had those bulls teams so close. If he didn't run into LeBron every year that I think they would have won some titles. I think it's D Rose. He was a, he was a team leader and I know me and you. How many? I don't know how many times I've watched those highlights of him just absolutely bouncing out of the gym. Some of those dunks that he did. Um, so I think it's D Rose, Yao, and Roy. It just I didn't. I think the Odin sample size was too small, but uh, I like D Rose, and then Yao and Roy close second, and then Odin third. So I thought that was interesting, kind of kind of cool to look at. But um, okay why don't you pull up some master stuff and then we'll wrap up here with a little dad advice and be done.
2: Um,
1: yeah, you're clearly someone who, takes what do you
0: care see for favorites right now? Uh, for, for the masters.
2: So b- top five for odds, Bryson, DJ, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Rory. Next few Xander Brooks, Kepka Matsuyama, Finau and Patrick Cantlay. Long shots: Tiger Woods at thirty-five to one, Spieth at forty to one, uh Heisen fifty to one, Ricky Fowler sixty-six to one, Phil Mickelson eighty to one, and my boy, our boy, the Mount Rushmore drakeian Zach yes. Johnson one fifty to one. So. I don't know. Let's uh, let's have a little draft here. We'll each have three picks. You can have two of the top 15, and then you got to have one long shot. How about that?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll
2: give you the first, first pick, but then I get two and three.
0: You want me to go first? Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm going to take – you're going to get my guy here if I take this guy. <laughs> I'm just going to take Bryson. Um, I think he's a safe number one overall pick. He's like, you're, you know, when you're a couple of years back, you know, you, you pick Le'Veon Bell, number one, overall, he's going to produce for you all season long. I think I'm going to go with Bryson here. Number one overall pick.
2: I think so too. And just depending on the golf pool or league that you're in, it really depends on the ones I'm in. It's guys that make the cut are more valuable. Obviously you want a guy that can win it. Bryson's definitely going to make the cut. He basically missed the cut once or twice all all last year. And one time was just because he blew up on one hole. Yeah. Um, so safe pick. I'm going to pick uh, my mom's guy, DJ. He's at nine to one. If he gets the putting going. He's going to be tough. I don't necessarily love it. Um, and then uh, my second pick, I'm going to take not a huge John Ron fan. JT's had a nice year. Rory is okay. Kepka's been hurt. Matsuyama is my boy, but I'm not gonna take him here. I'm gonna take we'll take JT, Justin Thomas. Uh, that
0: was my that was my pick. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, Kepka, so
2: yeah, one more and then we're gonna take a long shot.
0: Kepka was just like any uh, any other time, and I just would I'd be all over that. But I just you're right, he's been hurt. I don't know. I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go John Rom.
2: Okay.
0: I think he. Uh, I'm gonna go John Rom. I think I have faith in him this year. I was thinking about maybe a Finau, but I think I'm gonna roll John Rom.
2: Finau had some nice rounds, but the, the meltdown in whatever tournament. Well, yeah. I had him in one tournament, and he melted down the last day. It was terrible. Was that the
0: tournament where he hit the ball twice when he was when he was? Uh,
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: I, I forget what it was. Was the U.S. Open maybe? Anyways. Um. Okay, long shots. Who you got? You pick.
2: You're giving me that. It technically is your next pick. You have to be at least someone that's 30 to one. You want me to read a few names? I already read. Oh, I
0: got it pulled up right here. Um, Gosh, Spieth just is the choke artist here. You know, it's like. uh,
2: He's tasty, though, at 40 to one.
0: Spieth is the Falcons when you have like a good lead in the fourth quarter. Like, it's just.
2: Oh, don't do it.
0: Don't
2: Um, do it to him.
0: That was brutal quadruple uh, bogey and the masters if you went whenever that was what was that 2016 yeah um Sergio Garcia at 61 but guy has COVID so let's get him off that list um <laughs> gosh Phil has been terrible Tiger 35 to 1 <laughs> Tiger let's
2: do it oh baby you know you know who would be locked in to the TVs Sunday morning if Tiger's in the hunt? That would be the 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 PGA, the foot wedges, the officials on the course. All want that to happen. We'll
0: see if he makes the cut.
2: <laughs> uh, if you allow me to take Morikawa at thirty to one, I will. Otherwise, I gotta stick with uh, you know, Abraham answer at eighty to one is is tasty. Poulter at one hundred to one. No, I don't. I, he's Where's what's
0: Fleetwood? I can't find Fleetwood on here. Yeah,
2: Fleetwood is is down there as well. I saw his name. He was Annie out. Willett
0: at one
2: twenty five to one? No. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take ZJ at one fifty. Gosh, where is Fleetwood now? I can't find him. Anyway, I'm gonna take uh, my brother AG's boy Matthew Fitzpatrick at sixty to one. I'll we'll take him. Fleetwood's at okay. forty to one, but I, I took him a couple times this summer. It didn't work out, so I'm adding a
0: fourth pick to our round. We got a. There's three guys at two thousand to one.
2: Perfect. Um,
0: we got <laughs> Jose Maria Olazabal. <Elizabeth. laughs> we got Zandy Lyle. And we got Larry Mize. I assume you know
2: you, you know who I'm taking.
0: Mize.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right,
0: so you got Larry Mize. I'm gonna roll with Sandy Lyle. You know Sandy Lyle, friend of Just the. This
2: because you can pronounce his name.
0: Because <laughs> I can't say Jose Maria Olazabal.
2: <laughs> 2001. Why don't we put a celebrity or me or you in the Masters at 2001 and see what happens?
0: <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, let's do it. VJ um, sings one thousand one, but uh, I'm rolling with Sandy Lyle two thousand one. You got Mize, shout out Mize. Um, yeah, I like it. That'll uh, that'll make me follow Sandy Lyle this weekend. So excited to do that.
2: Perfect. Um
0: Anything else? I didn't see the weather for it or anything. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but excited to watch it.
2: Yeah, I saw some pictures with fall weather. It looked nice, but it still looks not as green as the spring when they normally play it but still the greenest grass you'll ever see basically.
0: Yeah. Rory's going for his grand slam if he can win the masters he gets uh gets his grand slam.
2: That's there's there's definitely some storylines there. Yeah. So and just it's obviously never been played in November. Ho- hopefully the weather cooperates but just be nice to have something else on TV I guess. It, as it'll it'll be really nice with Iowa football on. Friday. So then Saturday, you can just watch the masters or whoever plays, but
0: after a nice uh, stomping of PJ flick, it'll be good for uh, yeah. my guy, Sandy Lyle to come up big with the green jacket. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, just to recap, Bryson, Rom, Tiger, and Sandy Lyle for myself. Who do you have?
2: I have Fitzpatrick. I have Mize. I have uh, first pick was DJ. And I pick Rory. I didn't pick Rory. Who did I pick?
0: We'll go back and listen to it.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I lost the list.
0: Um, is it true that Larry Mize brushes his teeth with diesel? <laughs> 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 Maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, let's move on to dad advice. Um, you know, I, I didn't really think of anything for this week, so I'm letting you go first.
2: All right. So I did actually think of something this week, uh, last week uh, before the basketball season. And really we start basketball with two days. I'm other than Wednesday night. I don't know if I'll get to see Annie awake all of next week, which is kind of, that's brutal. Um, but just today she had her first, uh, tooth pop through on the bottom. So that was very cool. She's kind of been sick. Um, and we thought that was kind of what was going on. Also uh, for all the dads out there that have to take their kids to doctors or dentist appointments, I respect the heck out of you. Cause I had to do that last Thursday because she had a runny nose Yeah, <laughs> and going to the doctor's office is not something I enjoy myself. And when your daughter, your very young daughter is crying at the doctor's office, there is not a much more lonely feeling. So appreciate the wives or grandparents or whoever takes your kids to the doctor or dentist for you because when you have to do it yourself it is not a fun experience and I've been lucky so far to avoid the the shots days with the baby but I know my day is coming for that so just appreciate those that uh can handle some of those tasks for you and appreciate the doctors that uh see sick kids and have to give shots to little babies and stuff
0: yeah Yeah. i think they make the nurses do that i don't think the doctors end up doing it so shout out to the nurses um dude it's not fun watching the babies get the shots it's you 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 go confident you're tough you know you're a man you're going into that thing you're you're gonna be fine then you see your baby get shots and you're like you you just it it kills you on the inside so it's brutal (laughs) um so Noah was 0-3 going into the weekend, um, all time for Iowa Athletics. He was uh, – he only caught the Iowa-Illinois basketball at, game at the end of last season, which was a loss. Uh, March Madness, Big Ten tournament was canceled. We lose to Purdue to open this season. We lose to Northwestern. So my dad' advice is this week is um, – I don't know if it's advice, but uh, – your grandparents, your, your parents are always willing to help out. I, I, I took Noah over there. I just, a shout out to the, the mom and dad. They take Noah, they watch him. It was all, it was great. They took him during the Iowa game. Iowa won. I don't know if that had a, a there was a contribution there, but, uh, I think the, the advice is, uh, it's more of just, uh, be thankful for the people in your life that can take care of your child for you. When you need it, you know, especially during a pandemic, there's not not as many people that can do it, I can see your baby. So shout out to them. They love watching them. It's good stuff. Short and sweet this week.
2: Yeah, that's good. I I said to Paige when she had her first, her current godchild, our oldest nephew, Crew, who's uh two years old now, her favorite part was watching him interact with her parents, so his grandparents. Yeah. I would say the same thing about like, uh, Annie and basically both sets of grandparents. It's just like, especially those that don't get to see them, you're lucky you live next to, you know, your family and we live closer to my wife's family, but you know, just all the interaction there is just very cool. And especially if they're not making strange and then can kind of recognize who it is and they enjoy it too. That's, that's very cool.
0: Absolutely. My mom got to feed Noah for the first time this past weekend too, just like human food. Not yeah. his bottles and he just goes nuts when he gets something that he likes and he starts screaming and he wants more and that was that was a cool thing to watch so and my noah likes my brother too you know he's, he's one of the few people who likes him but noah likes my brother uh he, he always gives him the, the slick smile and he's he's pretty obsessed with him so you're right the interactions are cool um so yeah yeah absolutely to use that take advantage of it but uh Appreciated as well, I would say. So, um, cool. Well, thanks again to Josh Young for coming on. Um, there was something from that interview that I wanted to bring up again that I thought was cool. Oh, yeah, it was, it was cool how he uh just ripping off names. He played against Kawhi in college and Hayward, and I like how Courtney Lee like wasn't even the best player on that uh, uh, that uh, Western yes. Kentucky team. Yeah. So that was kind of crazy, but, and he was guarding him on that last play too. So kind of crazy. And
2: literally you watched that video too. I should have asked him. Cause I was like, he's not even paying attention to the ball, but like his job in that huddle, which he executed to perfection was yeah. not let Courtney Lee give the ball. And Courtney does give up. Like, he's like, I'm not getting this shot. Yeah. So I'm
0: going to go check that video. That's interesting though. That, that, was, that was cool to hear the breakdown of that last play. Yeah. So.
2: And I mean, his Drake Mount Rushmore had a lot of great people. He he comment uh, complimented you on yours too. So way to do your research there, bud.
0: I got some guys on my Drake Mount Rushmore. Shout out to the ones who are uh, no longer here, but it's uh, it's a solid. I shout out to Billy Cundiff kind of too. Didn't mean to tear you down like that. You know you you <laughs> did uh, you did miss a huge field goal uh, to cost a team a playoff game. You know we're not gonna beat around the bush here. You, you, you kickers, you got to get your job done. Zane Gonzalez, no offense. Uh, we're not we're not a kicker bashing podcast. So I think we'll leave it there. Um, every week we've had a longer podcast than the week before. We probably broke the record (laughs) again this week. So uh shout out to those who listen all the way through, all three of you. And we uh will see everybody next week. Thanks again. Uh the Bang Podcast. We out I said, not know, my so you, know, so you know.